Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Gaming Magazine podcast. I'm Chris Eggett, the editor of the magazine, uh, and today we're going to jump straight into an interview with Patrick Murphy, uh, the production uh, lead on the Enemy Within campaign at Cubicle 7, uh, to talk about the newest instalment of that campaign, which is The Horned Rat. So we're going to talk about uh, why rat men are so good, um, why uh, the Horned Rat is an interesting uh, deity, uh, as well as the sort of bring up to speed with where we are in the campaigns. So, enjoy! Can you introduce yourself and tell me who you are, uh, what is a Horned Rat, and uh, what, what's its problem? Um, it, well, it doesn't have any problems. It has a lot of solutions. It's just <laughs> some people don't like its methods. Um well, I'm Project Murphy, and I'm the producer on Warmer Fantasy Roleplay uh, for Cubicle 7 Games. Um, this is the fourth edition of Warmer Fantasy Roleplay. It's been out since, I think, 2018. And at the moment, we are coming to the close of our epic campaign, The Enemy Within. And, of course, you're referencing part four, The Horned Rat, which just released in PDF and will be in stores, you know, soon, TM, I think, Q1 uh, next year. Yeah, so The, the Horned Rat uh, is part of the, uh, the Enemy Within campaign. Uh, which is this um, huge, huge campaign uh, that's been going on. When did, when did it start? So initially, uh, the Enemy Within began with first edition of War of Fantasy Roleplay, and that would have been the very late 80s that yeah. the campaign actually started. Um, so it begins with what we've called Enemy in Shadows, which kind of combines two previous installments of the campaign bundled together. It is indeed epic. It's a five book campaign, five 160 page books. And to make it extra exciting, um, we also decided to do a companion series of books. So every part of the campaign has its own companion book, an additional 128 pages of extra content, some neat rules, stuff, new NPCs, different challenges. And they also contain what we're calling the director's cut material, Mm -hmm. which is this is the fourth edition of Warm Fantasy Roleplay and I think the third edition of The Enemy Within. Um, So it includes kind of the wisdom that has been gathered over the years um, about, you know, what its strengths are, where you can, you know, you might need some help as a GM, the common pitfalls, how to make it more challenging and more interesting and more divisive um, with with, with the uh, party. and that, that's all packed into the collector's edition. So if you buy, if you want to get the ultimate experience, it's actually a 10 book campaign. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty epic. Yeah, it's huge. It's uh, my, um, my, my shelf of RPGs is uh, at this point, like quite a lot of fancy, uh, fancy role play. Our aim is to buckle bookshelves, um, <laughs> make some money for Ikea. That's, that's what we're here to do. Okay. So would you like to bring us up to speed? Um, where are we in the campaign? Uh, and where, well, where should our players be? Because obviously players go where they like. Uh, you can't tell them what to do, really. And that's sure, sure. Well, I, what I'll do is I'll, I'll give a more compressed bit of everything and then we can find okay. the one right. Yeah. So the, the, players get embro- the, the players become the targets of suspicion for one of the cults of the ruinous powers, which kind of eats away at the fabric of the empire. And... Um, no matter what they do, it's hard to get them off your back, basically. And very quickly, most parties come to the conclusion that, well, this needs to be solved if I'm ever going to have peace in my life again. Um, the, the early stages of the plot take you through the Reichland. Um, they take you up and down the Reich. Uh, you may get your own barge even, take up a life as a trader briefly. Um, and ultimately, you will end up on the road to Middenheim, which is where kind of part three and a good chunk of part four, the Horned Rat, take place and uh, Middenheim is the chosen city of Ulrich the god of war winter and wolves um, it's built on the Fauschlag which is like a huge plateau um, turning the whole city into this kind of almost impregnable fortress 
Um, and it's it's indeed has been a fortress in, in a lot of different wars, um, civil wars and wars against chaos and similar. Um, and in Power Behind the Throne, you find that the kind of infiltration of the upper classes of the empire is well underway. And uh, if somebody doesn't do something about it, it, it could be quite a disaster. So during the events of Part 3, Power Behind the Throne, you kind of become involved with the upper classes in Middenheim maybe gaining their favor or at least becoming persons of note or notoriety to them. And um, from that position, you're led into the Horned Rat, um, which is part four, which is out just now and is a a very exciting um, piece of the Enemy Within because while this is the, there have been previous versions of the Enemy Within, um, part four traditionally has been a, a book called Something Rotten in Kislev, which is a, a great piece of the adventure, but it took players out of the Empire. And the way we see the last parts of The Enemy Within, it needs to remain very focused on the Empire and on the the the, the perils the Empire faces, both from without and within. Hmm. Um, so we are part four that we worked on, and which was um, kind of originated by Graham Davis, one of the authors who worked on the original Enemy Within series. Um, focuses very heavily on the Skaven, who are a kind of nefarious threat eating away. They're, they're humanoid ratmen, if people aren't familiar. Um, they're uh, eating away at the very foundations of the Empire, quite literally in some cases, from below the tunnels below. Um, and yeah, they're a great enemy. They're, they mix kind of horror and a, just a touch of humour in a way that I think is very Warhammer. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, I was going to say, I, 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 a sort of improvised question I was just going to ask there is, what's so good about Skaven? Because I think they, because I, I do think they are like emblematic of, um, of Warhammer. I think Skaven, I think sort of slightly silly, slightly weird uh, creatures with like tons of flavor. And also in the sense of um, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, um, you know, they're kind of mucky. Uh, yeah. And that's, and that's kind of good. That's kind of the flavor of the whole game, really. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, they're great for a number of reasons. And I mean, I could talk about this for a while, so you're going to have to cut me off yes. at the point where you're like, that was enough. Um, I think they're brilliant for a few reasons. I personally like them because a lot of factions in the warmer world are like, so chaos generally is trying to tear everything down. And it feels like the win condition for chaos is this like briefly corrupt, hedonistic, violent, changeable world followed by nothing because it ends. But the Skaven aren't trying to destroy everything. They just want to tear down the um, empire and, and in general, the, all of the um, dominions and countries and uh, nations of the surface world, tear those down to their right place, which is beneath the hoof, <laughs> beneath the paw of the Skaven, um, and build a, an empire of their own. And I, I, I like that. I like that they're trying to build something. It was horrible and terrifying and awful, but it's... It, to me, it makes them very relatable uh, because that's the sort of thing that has driven civilizations throughout all of human history. So it makes it quite relatable to me. Whereas, you know, just wanting to destroy everything makes perfect sense for so many factions, but it's not always in a, inherently as relatable. Yeah. Um, so I like the Skaven for that reason. I like their, like the, I do like the mixture of like, they can be a little bit silly sometimes. I think that comes out of a lot of great um, Black Library books as well. I mean, Gotrick and Felix and everything that happens in Nuln is a great example of that. Um, but we made a very conscious decision at the beginning of the development of the Horned Rat uh, that, the, the, yes, they are silly, but they're kind of silly and funny to um, the players, not the characters. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, in the same way that the Skaven can be a bit ridiculous to the reader of a Gotrek and Phoenix book, but they're actually terrifying if you to live with them. Like they're they're underneath everything. Nobody really believes in them. They have magic and technology that borders on science fiction to us. So never mind what it will be like to, you know, someone who's used to just barely getting used to gunpowder and steam tanks comes across like a doom wheel or a skitter, you, you, you know, a skitter gate. Like those are insane pieces of technology. So they're not really, they're not silly to, if you live, have to live in the old world, they're not silly to the, to the characters. Mm. Um, so we made a very conscious decision to play up the fact that actually a, a society of rat-like humanoids living underneath the empire is terrifying. Um, and that's a serious issue that needs to be dealt with. And the fact that nobody really believes in them just makes them all the more horrifying. That's it. That's it. Yeah, because it's, um, it's, a, little, you know, it's a little bit like the zombie paradox, right? Uh, I say paradox, so I've made that sound better than it is, or like a thing. Uh, but the thing is, um, you know, we, we all think of zombies. Zombies are your, your default enemy, right? Mm, because, yeah. oh, okay, you can kill, you can show a zombie having its head blown off and that sort of thing, that's fine, um, that sort of thing. But the actual, you know, zombies are actually the most horrific thing possible, you know, if it's someone you know, if it's some, you know, if it's uh, like something... Uh, relatable in your life if it's a real human being if it's not just a, yeah. a pixel on the screen and it's a little bit like that isn't it because they they have this um uh you know it is a horrifying idea like a rat person <laughs> who lives yeah. in your walls or whatever you know <laughs> yes you know i mean they have to have quite big rules because they're, they're quite big aren't they really um they're not everything's big in warhammer it's fine there's room, there's room in the walls <laughs> and the letters for plenty of scavenging uh, so yeah, I'm, well, I'm glad you've, you've got as much love for it as, as, as I do, um, and also yeah, as you say, the horned, the horned rat as a um, as a god uh, is is much more relatable because there's no metaphysics there. There's no, <laughs> you know, we're not worried about that. Is well, not yet. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> um, yeah, stick to the old world. Yes, I take your point. Yeah, uh, which I like. I like that a lot. I think it's just yeah, as you say, relatable and very uh, sort of realistic. and makes a threat in these games. Um, feel a lot more grounded, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think the ultimate thing that the, the Horned Rat has done to make the Skaven more terrifying is, like, united them, ultimately, because they've, they've obviously existed for a long, long time, but the Under Empire has only grown to what it is now, I think, because of the, the Grey Seers and, and the kind of second coming of the Horned Rat that united their society. So, I mean, they're terrifying on that level as well, because even though they're riven with backstabbing and plots and intrigue mm. they ultimately are you know relatively unified mm -hmm. broadly yeah. speaking you know so um yeah I, I mean we do delve into the backstabbing as well because it's such an iconic part of them and uh, if you get the companion you will find that there are tons of different factions and small groups to throw in to the horned rat all of which have their own agenda some of which will be trying to undermine the uh you know the main uh, the big bad guy, let's say, and uh, you know, could ultimately even help the characters a little bit, and then you know, kill them and eat them afterwards, but briefly be of assistance. Excellent. Um, so this is the um, the penultimate penultimate book. Um, yes. I, and I've, the question I've got here is, what are we setting up for? I don't think you can actually answer that. But um, well, we're setting up for the ultimate book, which yeah, is of, of course. course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, I, I mean, I can speak in, in general terms mm -hmm. and I can, I can certainly talk a little bit about some of the design ethos on yeah. Empire and Ruins, which is part five. Mm -hmm. So um, so something we did with the Horned Rat was kept it in the Empire. Um, and I think the, the what the, the enemy within ultimately about is about is the corruption and, and danger coming from within. 
um, and how if, if you're, you know, the nobility, the aristocracy, the ruling class and all the ruling apparatus of state, if those become compromised, then that's bad for every level of society. And the Skaven are actually an outcome cropping of that, because, mm. I mean, if everything was functioning as it should be, the empire would not be ignoring Skaven and would not be, um, you know, a, they wouldn't be able to kind of marshal the power they have inside the empire. So in the same way that, like, the more direct chaos-worshipping cults can kind of thrive underneath that general ignorance, so do the Skaven. So I think that they make a good kind of part, a, a more integrated part of the campaign. Um, but it also serves the original purpose that something Ron and Kislev did, which was take the players away for a little bit, give them something to play in a kind of a sandbox that they can get engaged with and be involved in for a little while, while events in the general meta plot advance. And the, the main things that are advancing throughout the enemy within is civil strife in the empire is starting to grow. So we have these rumor sections throughout the books that kind of build on that. And you'll hear things that um, like, oh, uh, a noble von Tassnick's gone missing in the mountains. Uh, Oslin and Talavikland are kind of, you know, they, they're throwing a lot of shade about why that happened. Um, and that's dropped early on, you know, and you, you find out uh, as the rumors go on, you hear more and more about how the Empire and particularly this kind of Ulrican and Sigmarite divide, because it is a polytheistic nation. You know, they have lots of different gods. And because you believe in one, it doesn't mean that you think the others don't exist. It just means that they're not maybe the, the main focus of your worship. And um, so you can, you know, you have Sigmar and Ulrich, Sigmar being the kind of god of the empire, Ulrich being an, an older god and a probably more primal god in many ways. You know, war, winter and wolves are very important if those are the things you live with in your life. Um, those two uh, deities are kind of, have coexisted. Um, but thanks to the machinations of somebody, their followers are starting to kind of knock heads a little bit more. And by the time you get to Empire and Ruins, that's becoming a, a real problem. Um, and it's clear that it needs to be addressed, uh, you know, on a diplomatic level. And because the players have become quite established in Middenheim, they will get to be a part of that and see that break down and influence it, you know. And in the same way that we're kind of tracking, you know, throughout the Horned Rat, the actions you undertake influence how much people believe or don't believe in the Skaven in the same way the players' actions throughout Empire and Ruins uh, change how people view them. Like, are they kind of, are they a unifying force? Are they a kind of a pro-Middenheim sort of Ulrican partisan force? Or are they, you know, do they remember their probably their roots in the Reichland where the campaign started and they're seen more as a kind of a Southern Sigmarite influence? So that's tracked throughout and has like subtle influences on reactions to them and, you know, ultimately um, how the main plot might go. So what we've done with part five is try to take the best bits of Empire and Flames and kind of earlier conclusions to the campaign, bring in new ideas. And Graham had some like really striking notions on exactly how to manage this um, and how to bring it to a satisfying conclusion. And we hope it does that. You know, it, it calls back to earlier treads in a way that I think, you know, picks them up and brings them to a conclusion that I think is really worthwhile and will be really satisfying to anyone who's played all five parts. Um, they're going to like to see like characters literally from enemy shadows return in a meaningful way that makes sense. Um, yeah, and ultimately, like some of the plot beats have been the, the ones that were satisfying. I think in, in older ones, the most satisfying ones are still there. And I think it's going to be interesting. You know, it, it's going to ultimately ultimately decide the fate of the Empire. Um, and, you know, I, if people are playing it, they should know that we've written a few different endings and given guidance on more in the companion. So going into this as a player, you should be aware that your GM has every possibility to end this in a terrible way, 
or a bad way <laughs> or an okay way or a good way. You know, there, there, are, there are multiple things that can happen. So like the stakes throughout it are real. Don't feel that because you've played four campaigns, you know, the GM's going to go easy on you and let this be a win. Not at all. It, it can end terribly. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, yeah, see, uh, anyone gets me when they say that there's always the opportunity of ending terribly. I think that's... There has to be, you know. There, there, there has, has to be. Has to be. And in fact, yeah, you're right. Sorry, on, a, on, a, on like a writing level, yes, it has to be. And in the game level, it has to be. But um, I think so often we're, we're focused on the power play, you know, how, how the players yes. going to feel. And just this, the thing of like, it can all go wrong. You can do this wrong. Yeah. I love it. I've dipped in, dipped into the book, dipped into the book, and I've seen that there's a sort of like nice opening free form structure at the beginning, where there's a yeah. lot of stuff you can do at the start of the horn, right? Um, so, can you talk to me a bit about um, why you set it up in that way, or um, what the, uh, the the goals are there, and maybe give a little bit of a flavour about the kind of good and bad choices people can make in terms of their investigations? <laughs> yes. Well. Um... There's, there's a couple of reasons for it. So it's something that we had in, in the initial draft of the Horned Rat, that section wasn't really there. Hmm. So it came out of play testing um, and about like kind of some read-throughs we did internally where we we were kind of replicating the player experience and coming off playing Power Behind the Throne and making sure that like, you know, play testing some of the additions we suggested and so on. Hmm. Um, so we, we would just come off that. And what we realized that happened was everyone had become attached to two main things. One was ending this cult mm-hmm. that, yeah. you know, really following up on Power Behind the Throne, not going, the big bag was defeated, just draw draw a curtain on it and move on, it's okay. You, you know, they really wanted to go in and root out every last vestige of that influence, which I think was very understandable. And the other one was they were quite attached to the setting of Midnight, you know, and as we were as developers as well, because we'd just done Power Behind the Throne, the Power Behind the Throne Companion, and the Middenheim City, the White Wolf book. So that, that was... You know, that's three sizable books on this place. Ultimately, would focus quite a lot on Midnight. And we realized that after one game, we weren't really ready to leave it behind. Mm. Um, and we felt that the characters probably would feel that way as well, because Midnight is where you have the opportunity to improve your social standing in the Empire, mm. which is, you know, and in, in War of Fantasy Roleplay, your social standing means a lot. You know, like the, the class struggle is one of the main themes of fourth edition. Um, and having the chance to climb that ladder gives you a lot of more opportunities and um, so we didn't think people were ready to leave it behind quite so quickly and head off to confront this menace elsewhere so um we came up with this idea that there were a lot of treads kind of hanging that you might want to pursue we'd sewn a little bit in power behind the show about the scaven influence um and we left kind of some of this cult activities uh you know some of the the, the cult elements were still around um, and we decided to give players the opportunity to, okay, you want to deal with all of the cults in Middenheim? Go for it, do it. We've worked out, you know, who's who's there, who's in various positions. This is what they're doing. They're scrambling to put things back together. But if you don't do something about it, they will put things back together. Mm-hmm. They're a cult that's endured probably for centuries. They're, you know, the, the, the chaos god that they worship is some one of plots and counterplots. So don't think they're not ready for this. Um, so what you get to do is someone comes along and says, listen, you've you dealt with some stuff there. Do you want to keep dealing with it? Because here's some things that I found that might be of interest to you. And I don't know who to trust anymore. But you people have proven yourself to at least have an agenda that matches up with ours. Um, so you get that experience in in Midnight. And I mean, you can mess up like quite badly if you don't chase everything up. Um, the that that kind of what we call the scale and evidence evidence tracker that um 
if you mess up badly enough, you can make people believe less in the Skaven, um, depending see, on some again, interactions. Just, you one, know? just wonderful. Sorry, can you can you take us through the Skaven evidence tracker? Yeah, the Skaven evidence tracker. So the thing that's <laughs> happening in the background with the GM, at no point are they going to say to you, oh, plus one on the Skaven. <laughs> but depending on your actions, you can increase general local belief in the Skaven beyond what it is by the default kind of... Because, of, of course, like one of the... Um, previous graphs of Middenheim is, is Madrid Skaven Slayer. So a lot of people are like, well, where does that name come from? So people in Middenheim are aware that, yeah, the Skaven might have been a thing once, but a thousand years ago, they're not anymore. You know, they were wiped out. We had a whole war about it. They're gone. Um, or some people might say, no, they never existed at all. It's myth, like it's too long ago. Uh, and you can start to chip away at that. Um, and we've gone through every kind of major NPC in Middenheim and throughout the the campaign um, or throughout the scenario that the relevant part. And given their take on Skaven, you know, what they believe and so on. Obviously, dwarfs generally are reliable people. Like, they can't ignore them the way your average Imperial human can. So, but you can start, as I said, chipping away at the disbelief, or you can make it worse. If you start, like, throwing around accusations and pulling out evidence and, you know, then you start to see some of the mechanisms of how the Skaven actually maintain that masquerade, which, you know, I think is something that we really wanted to address because it's quite... Not implausible, but the, you you do wonder like how they keep how do they keep this thing under wraps when we know that like maybe Talia Bretonia don't have quite the same doubt about Skaven that the Empire does. Um, so how are they keeping it under wraps? And you see a little bit of that, which I think is fun. Uh, can, um, can you reveal yeah. reveal a little bit of how they do that, or is that is that too spoilery? Oh well, because I'm just, okay. that's just so me being interested now. Well, continuing <laughs> the themes of the enemy within in general, which is thing you know. The, the apparatus of power becomes corrupt. They corrupt the apparatus of power. Okay. You know, they, 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 they look to, um, you know, human vice, which Skaven understand vice quite well, and they don't always totally get humans, but they know that if you throw gold at them, which is worthless to Skaven, you know, Warpstone is their thing. If you throw gold at the average human, they'll just do things for you. Mm. Um, so there's some Skaven who are aware of that, and they maintain um, they, their own sort of cult inside the Empire. Uh, which is explored in the book to a degree and you get some important NPCs and then the companion gives you more information um, on them. And yeah, I mean, that's all. I don't want to go too spoilery, but, you know, be careful who you trust and um, keep an eye on everybody and never be. You, you, there's no such thing as being too paranoid. This game and really do want to get you. There are rats in the walls. <laughs> so too. Uh, see, it's, you're selling it really hard. It's great. Um, because that, that, that gets me. Um, so, um just come back to that initial that initial sort of um freeform part of the part yeah of the game. um so th there's also kind of like you're up against time as well aren't you in some way yeah so we, we taught a little bit about how to do this as well and um because it can it can be tr troublesome in an RPG I find it troublesome mm. to keep track of like days and weeks you know yeah. because sometimes players need to do they need to have a shopping day or they need to have a little bit of downtime because they've been stabbed a lot and that has to be addressed you know for mechanical gameplay reasons um so it can be a bit tough that way so what we what we decided to do was there are certain you're you're kind of given these clues and more arise during the course of your investigations and you can go in multiple different directions and what we tried to do was have it that the thing you left till the end that you decided was the lowest priority Whatever that was, there's kind of a bad outcome for everything where, mm -hmm. um, oh, you didn't look into that. Ah, the scaven came along, covered up all the evidence. That's all gone now. Good luck. You know, um, or uh, don't you need to speak to those people, but that's just, you know, been dealt with there. That person has gone missing or they're dead 
or there's a shadowy assassin stalking you now. Okay, I guess you should have paid more attention. Um, <laughs> so it, it's not to punish player. It's it, it's not to punish players no matter what they do, but it's just to kind of give them. It's to make the order that they do the things in and what their priorities are have a meaningful impact on things. So whatever you leave to the bottom of your priority queue, it's probably going to suffer because of that. But that's a choice you made. So you need to be able to deal with the consequences. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I, I like that a lot. Um, just because it adds so much like flavor to the thing, you know, and just and yeah. it's something, you know, it's just the reality of it as well it is the reality of it and i think it lines up with what warmer fantasy roleplay is which is that there is no like perfect outcome usually you know you're it's very hard to get that heroic moment without a caveat you know where it's like oh the medal ceremony at the end of uh star wars you know (laughs) where everyone just goes well done here's your medal the you you can have that but in the background you have to have a a scheming plotter or somebody who's about to manipulate you based Mm -hmm. on that or you know well you didn't you couldn't solve it all because no one could you know there is a section in it where we also kind of say, well, if you keep delving too deep, you will all die. Like there's, <laughs> there's no, you can't fight the whole under empire. You know, you can't end all the Skaven menace completely. Like it's just out of scope for what a few people are capable of. And you need to be able to live with the fact that the world is imperfect and you can only improve it in small ways. I was going to ask you, um, for those who don't know about Warhammer Fantasy Role Player, whether you could give a little bit of a sense of it, but I think you just have. Uh, <laughs> you know. yeah I, I mean that is what it's about it's grim and perilous role play <clears throat> oh, excuse me which is is what we kind of have as a, an ongoing tagline mm. um and i think that is the thing that's different about it like it can be really horrible and brutal mm. um but the i think what saves that from being this like very kind of downer as an experience is it has a sense of humor have a, a, about itself and it knows what it is in the world kind of knows what it is. And I think that's the thing that keeps the people in the old world going, which is that like, well, all this horrible stuff happened and there was a plague and a war and apparently Skaven are real, but you can go down to the pub afterwards and have a drink and kind of talk about it and be like, well, this was awful, but at least, you know, we're, we're, we're holding things together roughly. And I think that is the experience the players have as well, you know, and it's reflected in different mechanics. Like you can have a very bad experience that leaves your, that you didn't just lose hit points. Like you've broken a limb and you're going to be at a penalty for months of game time because that's what happens when you break your arm you know, or lose some fingers. It's, it's, it's something you have to deal with now. Yeah. Um, and I think when you wrestle victory from the jaws of all of that kind of grind, that it's all the more meaningful for it. Fabulous, fabulous. Okay, so um, I've got my standard question here as well, which is uh, what's next? So what is next? Um, then the very next thing up will be uh, Archives of the Empire t- uh, 2. Mm-hmm. Um, so Archives of the Empire is our kind of grab bag of articles that you know didn't either didn't fit somewhere else or they're about a topic that the that the big book is a, is a little while out so the last archives of the empire focused on the Lorelorn, which is a, a wood elf domain to the northwest of the empire uh, it focused on um the mootland and halflings um which gave it like some nice new player options there and explored the moot in a way that it hasn't really been explored before in more fantasy roleplay and it focused a little bit on some dwarf stuff and we also had um some new careers for elves dwarves and halflings in there uh, including the halfling badger rider which has been more popular than i ever expected uh, and by, what, what, how, how would you think that wouldn't be maybe the most popular thing i don't you know it, we, we were making up things that halflings tell outsiders as a joke mm. and we were like oh halfling badger riders they totally have badger cavalry that's a thing they tell mm. people you know 
on this idea of the halfling grand tour, which is where they lead you to the moot and take all your money, basically. <laughs> um, but, you know, they give you, they show you a good time, but it, it is kind of a, everyone, you know, the halflings are all in on it. So they're kind of like, oh, he's on the grand tour and whatever the tour guide says, everyone's like, yeah, that's true. Uh, and it becomes a game of like, what will they believe? So that, that's what the badge writers were. And then um, my, our fabulous licensing partner at Games Workshop, seeing the art we had done for the badge writer, was like, oh, I can't wait to play one. This is brilliant. <laughs> that's great. Um, so it kind of became a sort of a, just just got legs, four yeah. three badger legs, and off it ran. And so it's left me in the position where I now need to publish stats for a badger mount because people didn't have them because it was a joke. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got to got to get that in. So archives of the Empire Two is that kind of grab bag of exciting topics. And um, there's a ton of ogre stuff in there. There's rules for mass combat. There's a section on. Um, the Great Hospice, which is a place of rest and recuperation your character can go to when the, the grind of the world has taken them down and you can meet some of the people there. It, it features a, a, yeah, it's it's an interesting location, basically, um, just north of Altdorf. And yeah, so a few and a few little extra bits and pieces as well, I think people will like. Um, so some some nice, a, a new minor addition for character creation too, which is where you pick a star sign that kind of might or might not influence your character if you believe in that sort of thing. Uh, where can we find you if you like to be found? Um, I do. I, well, Cubicle 7 loves to be found. So you can find Cubicle 7 on Twitter and Facebook and at cubicle7games.com. Um, we have a newsletter. And if you subscribe to that, you'll keep up to date with not just Warmer Fantasy Roleplay, but also Warmer Age of Sigmar and Wrath and Glory and uh, all of our other exciting role-playing game products. Um, oh, as well as uh, we have a card game coming out called Electric Counts, which is set in the old world um, and is done as a kind of a companion in-game card game sort of thing which I'm really excited about because it's the first like physical non-computer game and uh, non-role-playing game, old world game that, that will be out for a while, basically. And it's nice to keep the, uh, we're just keeping that little torch of the old world burning until Games Workshop gets um, back to it with their, with their, what will no doubt be very exciting contributions. So uh, yeah, expect to see yes, I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to that. I, I think I thought it was a really, when I saw that news, I thought it was a really interesting um, uh, way to go. Yeah, well, it, it grew. It's it's something that we're kind of. It, it all the cards are done, so they feel a little bit in world, you know. And uh, it was something that we kind of decided would be a nice companion piece to the role playing game. Um, but as well as that, like it was a very natural bit to develop because we have all this art that Cubicle Seven do, and we have all the like fantastic Games Workshop art from down the years in the old world, and it was a an opportunity to kind of bring some of that to the fore again, along with a few new pieces that you know you might go on to see in the role playing game on the cover of new exciting books as well. So, yeah, it, it, and it's a lot of fun. We, um, we've been playing it uh, online on, you know, using online tools to play test it, mm. uh, which was fun. But we finally got some of our like first in-person games of it recently with mock mm. card sets. And it was, it was really enjoyable. So a nice lunchtime game. That's great. great. I, do, I do have a soft spot for um, games that are, they either look like they should be or they in this case they're actually designed to be played in a fantasy world as in you go to a tavern in a fantasy world and you see people playing this game uh, i think there's there's a few sort of like abstract war games you know things like that yeah well i think yes this one this one fits with i need i need to i can hear a loot already uh in the background <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that was it i think the tag like on the box is like banned in taverns from Talibheim to Altdorf or something like that because you know we were we, we also like the idea we we're seeing it the same way and then we were like oh god though if you were pretending to be an, an electric count claiming the the throne is that treason like in a card game um so yeah I don't think you'd whip it out in front of every passing noble but yeah. I think it's something that the the middle class the burgers enjoy absolutely one, one for the gutters 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you for, thank you for speaking to me today. Uh, not at all. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. <laughs>